Hi, and welcome to the Boat Princess podcast. My name is Nikki Vo, and I'm your host. I am a boat owner, a marina owner, a director on the Marina Industries Association, and a huge advocate for boating. In this series, I'm sharing the stories from every nook of the boating industry with the intention of encouraging more women to join me and for more women to get behind the helm too. I want to share the experience and opportunities of boating, of the boating industry, and I want you to join me as I bring the conversations and answer all the questions you've had. Boating is not just for the glamorous and rich and famous. It's full of beautiful and interesting people making the most of our natural environment and getting out there, enjoying the waterways. So let's set off the lines, take over the helm and escape to the world of boating. So Tracy, welcome to the Boat Princess podcast. It's fantastic to have you here. Tracy Soros is the marina manager at Sydney Boathouse in Roselle. Now that's no small facility. She's got 220 boats in storage That's the dry stack. And then she's got a marina as well to take care of. She's the one busy and very clever chick. So I have invited her to have a chat with us and tell us all about her pathway into the industry, her education, what she does, and give you a little bit of insight into these facilities that she looks after. Tracy, welcome. Hi, Nikki. Excited to be here. So Tracy, you are um, quite a dynamic member of the boating industry. Can you give us a little bit of insight as to how you achieve that position in this wonderful industry that we work in? Sure. Uh, I guess um, I kind of fell into the industry. However, I do think that it was probably meant to be because I grew up boating. Um, My parents had a love of boating and it was instilled in me from a very young age. Um, However, after doing about 15 years in property and development, I ended up working for the original owners of the boathouse and we were doing a number of um, developments uh, in the CBD, one of which was the Sydney Boathouse and uh, there was a few things that they wanted to do to lift the place, bring it into sort of the modern era with uh, automation and um, booking systems and so they asked me if I would be involved. Wow, that's pretty cool. It's interesting, the boating industry, we often land in it as opposed to purposely work towards it and that's kind of one of the purposes of this podcast to give some people, especially women, some insight into our industry and how they can get into it. Let's go a little bit further back in your life you are a very capable and confident woman. You say you've landed in this industry, but um, I do believe nobody lands anywhere. I think they make their own opportunities and they take opportunities when they're presented to them, but you kind of have to to do something to make that opportunity appear for yourself as well. And I think as a very confident and capable woman, that usually stems from something in your childhood. I'd love to unpack um, where you think that strong woman, that confident woman, that capable woman, do you have a mentor or somebody that affected you in your, your childhood that made you like that? 
I think coming from two working parents makes a, a huge impact on you when you're a child. Uh, it instills in you a good work ethic. Both my parents were in boating. They raced speed boats. They competed. Um, they did bridge to bridge. So I spent my childhood on the water. And my mother raced successfully in um, speedboat racing when I was quite young. So I think growing up in that environment and having younger parents, my parents are quite young, um, forged a way of uh, not holding back. Sort of anything is possible. If you want to do it, go out and do it. They're both adventurous. Um, and we learnt those sort of skills from very young age. We were skiing on the river and um, going to shows and things from a very young age. So I think having that dynamic kind of environment where um, you know, we spent weekends out doing things, um, an outdoor upbringing makes a huge difference. And I think too that there was just never any, um, there was never any pressure in my family to be anything in particular. It was more about going out there and having a go um, and finding your own feet. Both my parents were super supportive in that regard. Um, and yeah, I guess it was more, um, pardon the cliche, but the world is your oyster. You can just go out and do whatever you want. There wasn't, I guess, having three sisters, my dad's ex-military, um, there probably was a sense of wanting to have some sons, but he got three daughters. And so we just grew up doing things that boys would do and uh, he didn't really hold back in letting us do those sort of you know crazy go-karting and driving boats and skiing and things like that that maybe traditionally girls weren't encouraged to do but we certainly were so I think that just that childhood of you know a bit of oomph and gusto um, just prepared me for life. You know it's interesting when you say that i suddenly realised that I'm the same, that my dad had two daughters, but he was a keen sailor and I was exactly the same. He dragged me on the boat and made me do what I did on the, on you know, just crewing on a dinghy. And yes, um, you mentioned the bridge to bridge. Can you explain what that is? It's a, uh, a ski race where you go extremely fast and uh, it's from one bridge in the Hawkesbury to the other. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's been a long time, so I haven't done anything in my adulthood. But as a child, I do remember watching it. And there's many photos and uh, uh, videos, um, you know, the ones that project onto the uh, onto the wall showing my age. But of my parents competing and, um, yeah, participating in those events. See, that's great fun, isn't it? And I think that's a wonderful thing about boating for kids. There, It's such a different um, activity to do. Um, and I think it... Um, it's a lot of skill sets going into boating as a child. You learn a lot of different things. So um, I think boating for kids and families is a fantastic activity. So tell me about um, moving from the property industry into the boating industry. How did that – was there a big difference you saw there? Huge, yeah, a huge difference. I mean, look, this site is relatively new. Uh, the concept – in Sydney is relatively new. I know that that's dry boat storage is relatively new in, in New South Wales and in Sydney Harbour. Um, we're not a marina that's been there for 50 odd years. So um, we're kind of very new at our infancy. And part of growing was, you know, sort of coming to terms with the fact that we couldn't do everything manually. We couldn't book 50, 60 boats manually. We needed systems in place. 
the owners at the time recognised that and there was a little bit of change management happening at the time where I became involved and uh, so they just needed someone to spearhead that change and that transition so they asked me to um, to jump on board and and the rest is history. Um, I guess the, the main differences is that in property and development there's been a lot of growth uh, and a lot of um, development in the way that they do things as opposed to, say, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, and I think that the marine industry is just um, lagging a little bit behind but certainly catching up. And that was the case here at Sydney Boathouse was that it just needed that, um, that forward movement into an automation and what we're dealing with now with a lot being done on social media, internet, online... Um, that just didn't exist at the time and I think that that's the way of the future and so um, it was a great opportunity to help the old owners transition. I totally agree with you there. I think the boating industry has got a lot to learn from both property and interestingly the automobile industry as well. Both of them are are well ahead of us in the game, I think, on technology and um, media and and the styles and, and approaches that we take to business. So um, I think that's really great that you've brought those property skills to this industry. That's fantastic. You mentioned you manage a dry stack storage facility. Now, some of our listeners may not know what that is. Can you actually explain what that is? Sure. So dry storage is... And a way of getting your boat out of the water and off trailers. So we have a fully enclosed purpose-built dry storage building which has a number of racks inside the building that houses vessels anywhere from 6 metres up to 11 metres. What it does is it um, allows for people to not have to trailer their boats to boat ramps, trailer them in traffic in and around Sydney. It's quite busy on a weekend on our roads, taking a eight-metre boat on a trailer just adds to the frustration. Um, mm. We don't have a huge amount. And that, um, that, that whole boat ramp battle, as well as I call it, it gets you away from that as well, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And we don't have a lot of um, boat ramps that have access to the harbour um, readily and that adds to that boat ramp rage that they call it um, and also the queuing um, in a early on a Saturday morning the queuing to get down um, at, out at the ramp uh, a little bit insane so dry storage keeps you out of the elements off a trailer and uh, gives you a valet kind of service where you book your boat to the water and we have purpose-built forklifts that come in take the vessel from the rack in the, ho- in the housing and pop you in the water on your booking. And so that basically it's a walk-on, walk-off service. The boat's in the water when you arrive, away you go from the marina and then when you come back you simply click OK to store on our boat booking app and uh, we do the rest. We'll take it out of the water, we'll wash the boat, we'll flush the engines, we'll top it up with fuel if you request it and then we put it safely back away in its home. That sounds my, like my kind of boating. Yeah, just get it all done for you. That's what I say. <laughs> I think I think dry stack is uh, also saves you a lot of care in terms of it's under especially at your facility. Not all dry stacks are undercover like yours, are they? Um, so 
um, I think that's fantastic that they're continuously undercover and cared for out of the elements, as it were. Um, and also that whole element of the boat's there and ready to go for you when you get there. Um, I think that's an advantage for women as well because the the boat ramp is is a bit a bit challenging. I'm not saying women aren't capable of doing it, but it is it can be heavy work and it can be challenging to get that boat from that boat ramp. And you kind of need somebody else there as well to do that. You, it's very hard to do it on your own. So um, I think it allows um, people to use their boat just by themselves a bit more. Would you agree? A hundred percent. I grew up boating every weekend with my family and we didn't have dry storage so we were at the boat ramps uh, dad would reverse the boat down the ramp mum and my two sisters would be in the water sort of sometimes you know neck deep holding the vessel positioning it <laughs> and then you know sort of floating it over to the the sand you know sanded area so that we could all get on while dad took the trailer in the car and parked it yes and and whilst three of us uh women quite easily managed to to do it uh it still uh, had its moments you know a couple of bobs under the water as you're sort of treading water and and floating the boat across to the beach um if dry storage had have been available it would have been so much better <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so much better um you know great we were in the water and we we're already wet and we we're ready to go but being able to just walk on walk off and uh, not have to do that whole sort of uh, positioning, guiding, getting the boat across from the ramp in, you know, so that the next person could come down and, yeah. you know, put their boat in. Um, dry storage is amazing for that. Yeah. You can literally park your car, walk down onto the marina and the boat is there waiting for you. You can bring your kids now because you don't have that same, um, you know, what we did back then. You know, I certainly wouldn't expect my children under 10 to be able to do it. <laughs> Bit of a different childhood. But, um, but yeah, to be able to walk on, put the kids in, pack the lunch, the esky, everything's there and uh, it's so easy. It, that I yeah. mean, that's our motto is easy boating. And um, we're in a beautiful bay in Sydney. It's very calm. We don't have wash in here, even when it's quite windy. Yep. Um, you know, it's a perfect, um, it's perfect for you to be able to just walk on, like you said, and walk on off. And you can almost do it by well, you can do it by yourself. You can you can walk on by yourself, take the boat out, and um, and come back. And I think it takes a, lo a lot of time out of it too, because um, really, if you're taking a, a trailer boat out for the day. You've got to dedicate a day to it. You can't just say, oh, we'll pop out on the boat for an hour and then come back because because you're you're contributing all of that time of getting to the boat ramp, taking the boat off the boat ramp, um, going and parking the car and finding a park for the car so that so you've got to go early to get the park for the car, car and trailer. Um, and then you've got to – you've got to kind of – Give it a whole day to justify all of that effort because when you come back, you've got to clean the boat, blah, blah, blah. Whereas with your service, you can almost say, oh, should we just get, you know, book it to, to come down at 10 o'clock in the morning and, and off we go, have a couple of hours, come back and then we just leave them to look after it again for us. I think it, I think it makes the whole process quicker and more enjoyable too. Do you agree? 
Absolutely. Yeah. More time boating, less time worrying about the hassle of boating. Um, more time on the water, less time cleaning, um, flushing, all of those sort of end of trip chores that aren't necessarily as fun. Look, some people love tinkering on their boats and washing their boats and we quite happily accommodate that. We'll bring the boat down, we'll pop it on a um, wash rack for our clients and they're more than welcome to come down and wash and have a bit of a clean or tinker. We also have hoses on the marina so when they come back if there's sand or they want to just clean out the inside of the kids of chips and food or whatever they can uh, hose out the um hose out the inside we've got facility to do that but i think what you're saying is that it's 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 easy then to come down and take the boat out for a couple of hours as opposed to a whole day especially because we have such great weather in sydney people are able to come down at say three o'clock in the afternoon we're still in daylight savings in summer we've still got quite a few hours left to enjoy the harbour and you know quite often late afternoon in Sydney Harbour is beautiful still very warm great to go for a swim so we have um, you know quite a few of our clients will call sort of around lunchtime and say look Thursday afternoon is it possible can I jump out for a couple of hours and we'll pop the boat in and that's great I mean you're hops we're a hop skip and a jump away from the CBD so you could be in your office at midday on the boat by three o'clock in the afternoon cruising around the harbour. That's awesome. Yeah, sounds like very easy boating to me. Um, I'm a bit of the, you know, I like the variety of you doing it for me, not the me having to tinker and wash my boat. That's just me. (laughs) (laughs) But um, Tracy, how do you think your education has contributed to your role now in the boating industry? Do you think there are some particular skills you picked up in your education? Can you explain to us what your education is? Sure. I um, I started uh, in corporate comms and public relations um, in uh, insurance with AMP when I finished school. And... Uh, I think working in public relations and corporate comms gives you a good understanding of the needs of your audience and your market, Um, understanding the product that you're either selling or delivering. And uh, and I had, um, you know, I did my cadetship with uh, AMP while I was at uni and got to see a number of different areas from investor relations through to corporate finance, corporate comms. Um, We're on the speech writing team for our CEO to deliver messages to key stakeholders, the ASX. So it was really about communicating a vision, communicating, um, understanding the market, communicating to those that we were uh, delivering for, especially our shareholders. And um, I think that translates across to having a really good understanding of your client and your client needs. And having a passion for that um, and then delivering on the product that you sell. Um, I did that for a number of years um, before I had my children. And then once I had my children, I moved into property and construction. Um, I think that prepared me in the sense that coming into the marina marina industry, it's very male-dominated. But working in construction property... uh, you deal with a lot of men. Um, I also have two sons, so I'm surrounded by them. Uh, but I think having um, that exposure um, was a great uh, intro into coming uh, across into the maritime industry, which is a predominantly male. There's uh, 
there is some wonderful women in the industry, but um, yeah, seeking them out is um, is a bit of a challenge. Uh, so yeah, I think um, definitely having that um, solid foundation in PR and comms helps a lot because I deal with clients all the time. And then coming into that property management, um, construction, the technical side, understanding the kind of engineering components, the site work. Um, you know, a, a marina, a working marina isn't all glitz and glamour with, you know, beautiful super yachts whilst they are around. Um, a, lot, a lot of what we do is very manual, uh, it's operational and there's a huge, you know, sort of safety and risk component um, and having that background from construction and uh, development is um, is great because they're leaps and bounds ahead of maritime. Uh, I shouldn't say maritime, I should say recreational boating. Maritime, I'm, I'm sure, uh, across this tenfold, but um, recreational boating is still a little bit, um, you know, lagging in um, sort of the safety, not that it's unsafe, but... <laughs> Uh, in protocols and procedures um, compared to other industries like construction. So coming across from, a, you know, a very heavily regulated industry um, into recreational boating, it's been, you know, great to bring across uh, some of that skill set. So it sounds to me like your skill set involves a lot of communication skills um, and I can certainly see that very evidentially in your the way you put your brand across in social media. Um, and do you think that communication helps you with your management style and how you manage your team as well? Look, definitely. I um, I have a style where whereby I like to empower my employees and my team to um, come to work, to know what they need to do and to get in and, you know, roll up the sleeves and get it done. You know, if they need um, advice or they need instruction, then sing out by all means. My office is always open door policy and uh, and I'm happy to jump in and give them a hand or, or guide. Um, but generally, I don't like to micromanage. I think that we all know what we need to get done throughout a day. Um, and look, we regularly meet up, but I think that... Um, Coming from um, that background, I've worked with um, a lot of professionals throughout my career and generally people want to come in and do a good job and generally for the most part if you're working in the marine industry it's because you want to mm. and um, and so they people just get on with it. I agree. I think... Um I mean, I'm lucky enough to have some magnificent team members as well and I think trusting the process and trusting them to do what they're trained to do is very, very important. Um, and they, they do have very different skill sets across the boating industry from those that operate the travel lifts to those that do the anti-fouling to, you know, there's so many different skills in the boating industry that we can um, explore and manage, isn't it? And um and I think that's what's wonderfully varied about this industry as well. There's so many different things going on all of the time. And your facility would be a perfect example that of that. There's lots of things going on at the same time within the industry, which keeps your day interesting. Can you give us an idea of a day in the life of Tracy Soros at uh, Sydney Boathouse? Sure. Look, I think um, the best way to describe is that no two days are ever the same. <laughs> 
depending on what time of the month it is, it depends on what ta- what tasks I'd be be doing. So you know, end of the month we've got a lot of commissions to work out, accounts to finalise. Uh, we do a monthly boat audit, um, and then there's billing. Um, there's also our monthly hours, our safety report. So there's a lot of reporting at the end of the month that takes up a good chunk of my time. Um, on any given day, I could be working on anything from new contracts to finalising agreements as people may vacate the facility, um, dealing with uh, our broker uh, requests um, or issues, and then also any any sort of incidents that might arise in the operation. Um, we often have... Um, yachts getting cranes and lifted into the water so there's a lot of moving parts and moving pieces so yeah any any two days are never the same um there's a lot of variety and yeah it sometimes I'm at my desk for weeks on end doing reporting strategy marketing updates um and then other days I get an opportunity to be out on the marina and um down on the docks and washing boats in the in the uh, Wash Bay area, just depends. <laughs> so it's that's fun all round. Yeah, yeah. It's I think that's another part of the industry. And you mentioned the word yachts there, mm-hmm. and I just want to explain to our listeners when we say yachts, we don't necessarily mean the type with the mast on top because they don't actually go into dry stack storage, do they? Am I or am I wrong there? No. So our racing yachts stay on the hard stand. So we do have the um, the dry stock, which we've got roughly about. Uh, uh, Two twenty at any given time. Uh, generally, coming into summer, we're at um, you know full capacity. Um, but we also have our hard stand, which houses all of our broker vessels. So we have brokers down on site that sell um, sell boats, and they're on display out in our hard stand area. And then we have a number of uh, racing yachts, and they are the ones with the masts, and they sit on uh, very large cradles on our marina front, and we will crane those in and out of the water depending on racing events. So you've got a variation of boats as well. Um, and they go right from the little speed boats up to the big racing yachts. That's a pretty exciting range to be working with. Um, and you're in a, an environment all the time that's surrounded by water. And, of course, we've got these fabulous super yachts alongside your uh, facility as well in the Sydney Super Yacht Marina. How does that make you feel working in that environment all the time? Does it give you a certain sense of... of a sense when you get to work every morning, as it were? I think working on the water is amazing. There is definitely a calming effect that the water has on an individual. Um, coming into the marina on a beautiful day like today where, you know, the water is, the sun's reflecting off the water, um, there's a lot of activity down on the boats, there's boats moving, there's people going out and having a good time on the harbour. It actually is quite enjoyable. It really does um, resonate with this is, you know, this is a great place to work. Um, There is definitely, yeah, like I said, a sense of calm that comes with working in um, in the marine industry and working on water, especially if you get the chance to jump on a boat and pop over to... Rose Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully have lunch there as well. For a, for a coffee and a trip. Um, 
But um, I've worked in um, towers in the CBD, um, fortunately some with views of the harbour, but now I'm actually working on the harbour, so um, even better. Um, but yeah, it's a very different environment from being in a um, corporate office to being down at the marina and one that's really quite pleasant. You know, even when it does rain, um, the water changes and the feeling changes, but there is still uh, somewhat... Um, you know, pockets where you can find that serenity once you sort of sit in the water. I find, I mean, we've um, owned our marina at Bobbin Head for 15 years now and I still, a lot of the mornings I get there, I have to pinch myself that this is where I, in inverted commas, work. I mean, you know, it's it's just a fabulous environment. I think we're really blessed in the boating industry that we work in such a lovely environment. And, yeah, it, it has its rainy days, it has its cold, you know, and sometimes we're down in a, underneath an engine room or whatever we're doing. But um, I think um, a lot of the time... And, and it's not necessarily always glamorous, or but I think we are so lucky to work in the environment that we do. And I think that's why I want to car- encourage so many people into this industry and kind of illustrate that it's there um, because it is such uh, a, a wonderful environment to work in. Mm. So um, if you were a woman trying to get into the boating industry, um, tell me how you might um, look at doing that. I know that's a very vague question, but... Do I think that if you come from a background of boating or you've grown up on boating or around boats, there's a good chance that you will end up working in boating. There's just something that will draw you there. Um, if you haven't, but you're keen, I think that um, there definitely needs to be some pathways that are advertised for women, for young people um, across the board to get into boating. If I had a direct pathway or knew there was a direct pathway other than joining the Navy or stewarding on a boat, um, then I may have come across to the industry a lot earlier. But nothing ever was presented. So I think um, definitely if you're interested, then then seek out. Um, It's not going to become apparent um, at school. It's not something that's advertised, although the BIA are doing some great things in that space in trying to push um, programs into, you know, school leavers. Um, But I think that there's such a talent pool of young people that, um, you know, traditional boating um, has kind of... uh, uh, I don't know the exact word. Um, it's, 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 it's been lost, I mm. think, with the younger generation. So um, I think the, the cultural change in our, you know, in our, um, our communities, um, the expense and the cost of living has seen, you know, a shift away from recreational boating necessarily being something that the whole family enjoys as it was when I was growing up and look my my parents were working class um you know we were working class family um they just happened to have a passion for it and and that was their that was their hobby and their pastime but um but yeah I think it's about um reintroducing boating to the younger generation um 
showcasing how easy it is and, and cost effective it can be and getting people involved and also the um, you know the school projects um, attracting people to the industry even post school um, you know you can do a, a BA in, in marketing or comms and never even think about working in in maritime or in boating mm. but it's it's such a great place to um to sort of land or to you know position yourself they've got great shows um international shows um boating um events you know there's a, a whole array of different jobs that are available in boating it's just yeah, getting that message out there to people so that they know and they're aware of what they can do in this space if they'd like to I agree. It's getting them on their radar, as it were, isn't it? You mentioned the BIA there. Just to explain to our listeners, that's the Boating Industry Association. And they are doing some brilliant work at the moment with apprentices So and in creating, in creating more apprenticeships, which is which is really great because we are actually a little bit short in the skill set in Australia in the shipwright space, the mechanic space, all that sort of thing at the moment. So um, I think it's really industry... Um, important that we make um, schools and um, TAFEs and so on and TAFEs doing a lot of work at the moment as well which is fantastic um, about exposing the uh, boating industry to um, potential employees as well which is fantastic. So Tracy just talking about the boating lifestyle as a an activity if you like um, I personally feel that boating is absolutely fantastic for families and especially in the world that we live in now where a lot of kids are permanently attached to a screen um, I think taking them out on a boat is a really different activity kit for kids and gives them some freedom and skill sets they may not um, achieve otherwise um, can you just go into a little bit of a detail about how you feel about that? I agree. Screen time is a problem. I have two sons, 121, 115, both game uh, and spend a lot of time on the computers. 15-year-old, understandably so, he's doing a lot of schoolwork and Everything these days is done via online learning and online assessment uploads, very different to uh, schooling when I was at school. So I understand he sets a, sets a fair bit of time in front of that computer screen for school. But yes, gaming, um, interacting with friends, that social component of life has certainly changed. Um, COVID hasn't helped. But boating definitely gives... Uh, young people an opportunity to uh, clear their minds from that sort of online space. I take my son's chartering each year up in North Queensland. Oh, beautiful. And, um, you know, seeing them get behind the wheel, um, tie knots, uh, get a good understanding of your own spatial awareness um, comes, I think, from boating. It's almost like jumping on the trampoline without those nets around it. You you kind of get a real sense of how far you can go cl- to the edge before you plonk off. Um, it's <laughs> similar with boating. You know, it gives um it gives children and people a very good sel- uh, sense of self, um, the awareness of the space around you, um, safety skills. Um, testing your own limits you know kids love jumping off the bow of boats and 
flipping off the, you know, the flybridge into the water. But in order to do that, there's a little bit of a self-risk assessment. So a lot goes on um, in just doing those fun activities when you're boating because there is that element of risk and um, and kids have a good um, idea of uh, that limitation, personal limitation um, when it comes to assessing risk when they're about to do some crazy stuff sometimes. So I think definitely boating is, um, yeah, it's good for a number of reasons. Getting them out of the house, getting them out and away from the front of the screens, teaching them new skills, whether it be navigation, whether it be tying knots, ropes, putting fenders out, driving, uh, anchoring. There's a whole array of skills that come with, with boating. Um, and I think that, that translates to, you know, sort of character building and development and look, my son casually works down at the marina now while he's at uni. Uh, he drives boats around for our clients, um, drives the forklifts, um, definitely gives kids um, yeah, a good foundation of learning. That was a beautiful analogy, the trampoline with no nets around it. That was, I love that. That was so good. Um, and I think that is a perfect illustration of what boating is. It's that freedom of even the driving the boats. Um, driving a car is very much more close quarters and more likely to, to hit it than when you first learn to drive a boat. Um, and kids can, of course, learn to drive boats a lot earlier than they can cars as well in, in our regulation terms. So um, I think that's absolutely fantastic that uh, kids get into boating and learn so much and the freedom, yeah. Yeah, and it's fun. Like if you drive, you know, like um, uh, anything from, you know, personal watercraft like a jet ski, um, a sea do to, you know, jumping on and, and driving a, a large cat – it, it's fun and um, yeah. there's, you know, this element of, like you said, freedom, um, water splashing, um, getting wet, flinging, you know, so yourself into the into the waves. It's um, a little bit like uh, your mind is free. And to be honest, you have to focus while you're out on the water. You're not focusing on a game or you know, sort of uh, who's online, um, waiting for that next, you know, sort of uh, move in a in FIFA or something. You're actually focusing on your surrounds. You're focusing on the water, the wind. Um, you know what the what the tides are doing. So, but it's a um, it's a pleasant focus as opposed to an intense or you know sort of. Um, um, heavy focus it's a it's a freeing focus I agree and it's also um I think it's a sense of power they get too I mean I know my boys when they were younger you know suddenly being un, uh, able to influence the power of 960 horsepower is pretty exciting and and being responsible for that as well I think is I mean obviously you're standing beside them when when they're at the helm but um, that is a really exciting thing for a kid to be able to do. And the jet skis too, the, um, the personal watercrafts, as we should officially call them, they're, um, they're just so much fun for the kids to get out there. And I'd much rather have them on one of those than on a motorbike, I've got to say, as a mother. Um, and I just think that, that boating is a, 
an exploration that kids can get into and and really feel the power of the wind when they're sailing and and it's a it's a respect for nature as well it's teaching them that you know you, you can't go out when the the tides are this doing this and the and the wind's doing that and and whatever so um, it's a recognition that, that they've got to make some responsible decisions before they do it as well so um, I think boating's fabulous for kids I really do so Tracy, I know you uh, you go regularly chartering in the Whitsundays, which is a stunning boating area. Can you tell us a little about, bit about your experiences there and perhaps a couple of your favourite places you've been in that area? Sure. The, um, the Whitsundays is beautiful. Like everybody knows that the Barrier Reef is just gorgeous. Um, the best thing about chartering and and uh, boating in the Whitsundays is that um, you get a sense of being somewhere completely remote but yet you're still very close to land and um, all the services, amenities, if anything goes wrong. Um, there's some beautiful bays, um, great for snorkelling. Whitehaven Beach has to be, you know, the most stunning stretch of sand. I would highly recommend that to anybody. I mean, most people will go visit if they head up that way, but it's definitely beautiful. Um, Opposite to that is uh, another beach called Chalkies, and that's quite lovely to stop in and do some snorkelling. It's the same sand as Whitehaven, um, very white, pristine, absolutely beautiful, a lot of turtles, and... um, on the other side of um, Whitehaven, there is an island called Esk, which has no sand. It's completely um, a beach of coral, um, um, which is which is crazy. It's it almost looks like bones from a distance because um, wow. it's all white. Um, but when you get on it, it's 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 stunning in its in its own right. And um, yeah, there's another little bay off Esk where it's beautiful for snorkeling. It's not. Um, highly advertised but it's kind of like one of those secret spots where you see the you know the large clams with the the bright blues and the fish it's just amazing I think that's another advantage of boating again is you can get to these places that you can't get to them otherwise and especially for families with children it's spaces where there might not be anybody else so they're not fighting for space at the playground they're just enjoying an incredible environment. Now I know you've got a bit of a funny story and, and the Whitsundays to share with us with a bit of a survivor moment for you. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> sure. We um, we took some friends um, one Christmas and uh, we we sailed around Whitsundays and um, at first I thought I thought it was a butterfly but it's Cataran Bay which is the next one along. So we we pulled up and we dropped anchor at Cataran Bay for the evening and a, a stunning bay again for snorkeling. And uh, we were on a um, uh, catamaran um, that was made in France and so all of the panels were in French. Um, we had had an in- induction and so we, we knew what we needed to, you know, to use and turn on and turn off. But unfortunately our friends hadn't had the induction and um, so in the middle of the night, um, one, of the, um, one of the party um, got up and was walking and, and managed to turn off some of the switches on the panel, oh. and, um, which meant that the, the next morning we woke up with no power um, 
and we weren't quite sure what switches because they were in France and French <laughs> and we'd had the induction about three days earlier. <laughs> so we kind of had an idea of, you know, what we might need to turn on, but nothing seemed to work. Um, fortunately, that anchor wasn't on the same line, so we got the anchor up. And then we decided that the best thing to do, because we had no reception, um, radios were off, of course, because they were attached to the, the main system. And um, this was earlier in, early in our chartering experiences. And we, we sailed. We sailed back from Catamaran, um, Catamaran Bay around to Hamilton Island, which is quite a few hours. So um, it's a brave thing to do without any navigation uh, equipment. Yeah, no navigation, although we did have the charts, so we did pull those out and have a look and, and see sort of what were the obstacles along the way that, you know, we didn't want to get shipwrecked and end up like Gilligan's Island somewhere. And it was bad <laughs> weather, so it wasn't great. It was windy. Uh, there was a little bit of a swell. And if you've ever been at the top of Whitehaven, coming in with uh, northeasterly winds, it's pretty scary. Um, it's a bit of a washing machine there, isn't it? It's a washing machine. Yeah. Waves were, you know, crashing over the back of the the boat, crashing over the front as we nosedived <laughs> through the passageway, um, part of that passageway gets quite um, swirly as well. So, um, yeah, it was a bit gnarly. Um, the kids all bunkered down and head into the cabins. They were, like, petrified we were all going to die. Um, fortunately, <laughs> I of shouldn't course, laugh when you say that, should I? Fortunately, of course, we didn't. And, um, and you know, um, surprisingly so, uh, my husband and I remained quite calm throughout the whole ordeal and just pushed forward knowing that we were going to get to Hamo soon enough. And then, of course, we got to Hamilton Island, the sun came out, the wind disappeared. <laughs> it, was like we, <laughs> it was like we entered into, you know, a parallel universe. And um, after the, the turmoil that we went in getting there, um, radioed through to the charter company and basically they just told us to flick one switch and everything went back on. So we, we actually <laughs> hadn't um, <laughs> we hadn't damaged the boat. We hadn't um, broken anything. Well, that's um, pretty cool. Yeah, we just, <laughs> we just failed to turn the right switch on. Um, and, yeah, we had a, a very um, interesting sailing experience. Mind you, neither my husband nor I are actually sailors. Oh, wow. So putting up sails on a large cat and getting through um, what we thought was, you know, sort of 10 hours was really only about four. But <laughs> it just felt like 10. <laughs> 10 hours of, yeah, crazy swells, wind, um, overcast weather, no navigation. We, we made it out. We came out the other side and we can look back and, and laugh at it now. Yeah, yeah, they always make good dinner party stories, don't they? The uh, the boating stories that went a little bit wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and we haven't actually invited that friend back um, <laughs> since. Fair enough. But, um, yeah. <laughs> and I think there's a, there's a little... little uh, just, element in there for our boat designers out there could we please label all of the electronic panels in English if we're selling it into an English market <laughs> that would be helpful yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a great story um, 
So we're um, so Tracy, you and I are lucky enough to be in this fabulous boating industry, and we enjoy what we do thoroughly. And because of that, we're really keen to get more women into this industry. Do you think there are some initiatives that we can um, put forward to work on that? Definitely, there is definitely an opportunity for those of us who currently work in the industry to create pathways, to create uh, opportunities for other women to enter the industry. Currently, we are working with the BIA, Boating Industry Association, on developing a Women in Boating Committee, which we've set up. um, It's in its initial stages now, as you know. Um, Designed specifically for this purpose, creating awareness, creating pathways, increase diversity, uh, change the landscape that we currently see in recreational boating and uh, and encourage more women to come into the industry. So Tracy, um, you and I both enjoy working in the boating industry and it is, as we've said, a male-dominated industry, but I don't think that's anything to do with the guys in it. I think they actually uh, want to encourage more women into that industry, but I do think um, we do have a little have to have a little certain amount of strength to be in the boating industry, same as many other industries that are male-dominated, to get to gain that respect um, from other members of the industry. Um, you as a person, when you were growing up, do you think there's some, there's some elements to your upbringing that have helped you with that strength and that character that you have? Definitely. My dad was ex-Air Force. So we had a very strict upbringing. Um, also a very much of a no-nonsense, can-do approach to life. Um, I think like anything, um, when it's new or you're the first, it always um, is a little bit daunting. Um, and I guess, like you said, there's nothing... Um, there's nothing uh, sinister about the industry or the men that are in it which makes it male-dominated. It's just the way it is. Mm. And I think with people, um, with more women coming into the industry, it's more about firsts as opposed to um, there being a problem with it. There's not been women and now there is. Mm. So when you're the first and you're amongst the few, yeah, you do have to have a little bit of an element of um, gusto about yourself to sort of forge through and not um, not get sidetracked or bothered by the fact that that you may be doing it solo. Um, we have had a couple of female staff, um, and you know currently at the moment we don't, um, but we're always looking for for women to come on board at Sydney Boathouse. I mean, you know, I remember sailing with my dad in England, and it was freezing cold and. And we just we just got on and did it, you know. That's what we did, yeah. and and it taught you a toughness, I think, that a lot of kids don't get these days. Yeah, I think um, I think that definitely that mental toughness is um, is a, a positive quality in any career. Mm. I think people are scared and. Um, my upbringing is that it's 
it's okay to laugh at yourself. It's okay to have a sense of humour about your um, misfortunes or misgivings, um, whether that's a, a typical sort of Australian larrikin kind of trait. But um, I think it's definitely stood me well is that while I take my job and my role quite seriously, um, I don't take myself too seriously. You know, I'm happy to have a laugh. Um, yeah, I make mistakes and, and do silly things from time to time. That's okay. That's well, okay. we learn so much from our mistakes, don't we? Yeah. Look, learn we didn't so know much. what switch to push. <laughs> 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 On a boat that we'd been inducted to and <laughs> got shown how to do it all. And then failed to recall which switch we were meant to um, meant to push um, or meant to flick back on. But, um, yeah, we survived. Yeah. Lived to tell the tale. Yep. Had an interesting time. Learned that we, we weren't going to invite certain people out with us again because they were too risk, <laughs> risk aversion, not bringing them. <laughs> um. But yeah, I do think that having a um, a good solid um, background or upbringing of um, laughing at yourself, um, commitment and dedication to the things that you're passionate about, um, roll your sleeves up, can do jump in their attitude. Um, I think that um, in any industry, but particularly in boating, but in any industry, um, sees you fare relatively well. Um, and it's um, it's good to do something that you enjoy and you can have a bit of fun with. Um, it doesn't always have to be you know, serious and, and all about the work. You've got to have those moments where it's a bit about the fun too. And I agree. I think, and I think the boating industry does have a little bit more of that for us all because we're by the water. Before, because we're on boats, we get a little bit more of that fun and enjoyment side to our work than lots of other industries would do. So, thank you so much for joining us today, Tracy. It's been great talking to you, and I hope uh, you have a fabulous time at Sydney Boathouse. It's been um, we've learned a lot, and we really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. It's always a joy and um, I hope the, um, the podcast series goes well. So since Tracy and I spoke in May, there has been an initiative that has been launched now for positions in the boating industry, which is called marinejobs.org.au. This is an initiative that's been put together by the Boating Industry Association, the Marina Industries Association and Superyacht Australia, which is a specific site for boating industry businesses to advertise their positions on and people looking for work in the boating industry to look at. So that's marinejobs.org.au.
Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Boat Princess podcast. It has been lovely having you here. As always, I truly appreciate you listening and I would love it if you could do a review of the podcast. I truly enjoy reading how much it inspires you and what lessons you've learned out of the podcast or what really you related to within them. It's it's really lovely to get some feedback from my audience to understand how we're helping you and also let us know how you'd like us to help you if there's particular people you'd like us to interview or particular subjects you'd like us to cover we'd always like to hear from you so a review really makes a difference to us if you'd like to see more detail about some things that we talk about in the podcast go to my website theboatprincess.com and if you sign up for my newsletter you can actually receive a code that gives you free access to Ocean Magazine digital version until January 22 and also a discount code on the Ross and Witchcroft clothing site. I'd like to thank my sponsors Pomery Champagne Australia and Ross and Whitcroft. And I hope we truly are inspiring you to get out on the water soon or become part of our amazing boating industry. Take care and I'll see you on the water soon.